But I love the fact that I get to make people happy as well. That's sort of what started me with it when I was a little kid. You know? I still love that I can cook for people and, you know, and be and stay in their memory, you know, sometimes forever. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Negating adversity has been a common theme since the very beginning of Deep in the Weeds when COVID rocked our world. What we soon discovered is that the show became an outlet to share all manner of life's challenges and its triumphs too. Sharing stories that make us think, make us better, and through that connection allow us to maybe take a new path for ourselves too. Today I'm joined by someone who continues to inspire so many to take on life's challenges front on. Matt Galinsky, how are you? Hey, Huck, how are you going? I'm good. It's great to get you on the show. It sounds like you're in the country somewhere. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Yes, I certainly am. I'm sitting in the middle of my 14 acres, um, looking out over all the fruit trees at the moment. It's looking pretty nice. I'm expecting some rain, hopefully, in the next couple of days. So, um, yeah, the, the, uh, it's, it's pretty special. Very nice. You're a well-known chef in Australia, you know, uh, integral to Queensland's hospitality scene, but also um, on the telly as well. Um, what's 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 things like for you now? It sounds like, are you sort of dipping your hand in the soil as well? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, something that, you know, I kind of grew up with. Um, I grew up on a farm on the Sunshine Coast. And so this is something I've always wanted to kind of get back to. Um, and when this place came up, um, it was kind of just the perfect timing. I've got two little girls now, so I've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and I really wanted them to have the same sort of childhood that, as what I had, um, swinging, swinging from a mango tree and, you know, running around and <laughs> getting dirty. So to me, it's, uh, you know, and, and really from a chef's point of view, it's, it's an absolute paradise. I've just got so many different things that I get to play with now. Um, and I'm learning all the time. It's just, it's just every day is a learning experience. Give, it, give, give us a sense of the sort of region and environment. What's, what's working and growing, uh, you know, on your property there? Um, well, it's, the, the thing that sold this place to us was the, the, in the advertising was a hand-drawn map of the entire property um, with, in pencil with all numbers all over it. And then another list of all the different 120 different fruit, fruit trees. So when I first moved here, it was kind of mind-boggling to go, I'm never going to learn all these trees. But now I know we've got avocados. We've got about 10 different varieties of avocados. We've got mangoes, mangoes galore at the moment. Um, but we've got things like all the tropicals, so black sapotes. We've got three big um, jackfruit trees. We've got every type of citrus you can imagine. We've got dragon fruits, um, things like Brazilian cherries, um, so yeah, there's just there's always the hardest, the hardest and most heartbreaking part of it is not being able to keep up with picking it all, you know. And, and you've just kind of sometimes got to accept the fact that you're going to lose some stuff. And I've I've gotten into lately just you know trying to freeze down stuff. So Brazilian cherries, I'm picking about two kilos a day and just putting them straight in the freezer. So that when I decide when I decide to do something with them, I can just go pull them out and go, yep, cool. I'm going to make a sauce out of those or whatever. So it's pretty cool. It's it's. A fun adventure. You, you, well, your career has always been about fresh and seasonal and local ingredients, but has this sort of foray into growing um, fruit and vegetables, has it changed sort of your approach to food and cooking? Yeah, look, I think probably that's always been my thing really is, is having grown up with, with farming was that, you know, you use what's available to you at the time and that's going to be you know, food at its best. 
Um, but now it's the challenge to, yeah, to work out what, you know, at the moment we've got mango trees and we've, so I've got green mangoes that I can use for green mango salads all the time. And, but then picking mangoes as we need them and letting them ripen up. So it's, a, it's about that balancing everything, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing to just watch these, these trees change through the year. We've been here 18 months now, so I've seen you know, a full season here. And last year there was no mangoes. Um, you know, there was too much rain at the wrong time. And so the flowers all set, but then they all rotted out. So that we had zero mangoes last year, but this year we've got truckloads of them. So my, the, the lesson that I've learned about being here is that you don't assume that you're going to be eating anything until you're actually eating it. Because <laughs> there's a pretty good chance that either hail or bats or birds or any, any type of, you know, um, force majeure or um, pestilence could come at any moment and destroy, you know, the thing that you've been watching grow for months. So, but, you know, we do pretty well. We eat a lot of stuff off here and it's, that's pretty special. Watching from afar, you seem like you're incredibly busy taking on all sorts of projects. What, what are you doing at the moment and sort of for this year? Yeah, look, it's, uh, I mean, I, I spent five years at Peppers in Noosa as their I guess the consultant chef for there and that was that was awesome but when I moved out here I kind of decided it was time to change focus a little bit and just you know pick and choose a little bit of the things I want to do through the year the things that I enjoy doing so for me you know and really since you know since what happened to me 12 years ago um, it's really just been a, a case of people calling me and going hey Matt do you want to do this and I go oh yeah sounds good I'll do that and then that kind of it's self-perpetuating people will hear about oh Matt did such and such oh let's get him to do this and so that's been my work really for the last 12 years and you know this year this year is just <laughs> it's, it's I was thinking at the beginning of this year oh gee no one's calling me I must maybe I'm going to have a quiet year and then everyone gets back to work after those first two weeks and now I'm just sitting in front of a computer emailing people back saying no sorry that date's that date's already taken or yes I can do your festival or whatever it happens to be so but I get to uh, one of the good things is I get to travel um, a lot to lots of regional areas particularly in Queensland um, where I get to meet lots of farmers and I get to go to farms and see how things are done and you know I find and that's been the case of being here as well as just understanding how things grow sort of turns you into a better chef, I suppose. You, you understand how things work, almost like understanding the anatomy of a fruit or a vegetable or a cow or a chicken or an egg or whatever um, makes you better equipped to, you know, to use it better um, and respect it and appreciate it more, I suppose, too. Well, I want to explore sort of what you're doing in detail a bit later on, but you mentioned about growing up on a farm. Take us back to then. Do you have any stories of what life was like then for you? Well, yeah, I grew up on a, um, it was predominantly, you know, tropical, so pawpaws, uh, bananas, avocados, but we, the same as what I've got here, we had things like custard apple trees and mango trees and um, you know, 200 macadamia trees and that sort of thing. So I, you know, I spent a lot of my childhood swinging from a mango tree in a tire swing and, and just climbing to wherever the good mangoes were, peeling them with my hands and taking a bite and chucking them and getting the next one. So, you know, and then, and here I've got, we've got, you know, I always had my favorite macadamia trees that I had rocks under, two rocks. So you always sat, like you go to the, the good macadamia trees 
and have rocks to to crack them open with and um and now you know now i've got a macadamia trees here that my daughters go to and they sit under them and crack the macadamias themselves so it's kind of it's come full circle but um you know i i grew up um in palmwoods which is you know probably i don't know half an hour from where i am here um and i think it was that influence of you know understanding what good produce was that was the, the catalyst for me deciding really early on that that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be a chef and i didn't ever want to be anything else so um, you know from about the age of eight i said to mum and daddy yeah, i'm going to be a chef and then i just couldn't wait to get to high school so that i could do you know do cooking um and then the first six months of grade eight was sewing which really 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 cut me hard <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know and then after that once i got to grade nine it's like woohoo i get to cook now and and i just you know i was so sure of every that that was what i was going to be that i you know i took i learned french for five years i learned i did biology i don't know how that i thought that was going to help i did art um but i chose every subject that was going to help me in any way become a chef so um, at, at that young age at home, did, do you remember anything that you tried to cook where you had a triumph or a, or a failure? Yeah, look, I um, probably one of the funniest stories was I, like I loved making sweets. So I loved, you know, I lo- and I loved baking. I used to go and harass the local baker, at, you know, because um, I was so interested in, in baking bread. Um, I just loved the science of it. But I loved making things like marshmallows and, you know, um, sweet like lollies and things like that so I'd make Turkish delight and marshmallow and stuff like that and um, you know that I remember for my 13th birthday that you know I'd said to mum and dad all I want is this cordless electric beater that you know that's a, like a breville or something like that and I'm not really sure why I wanted it to be cordless um, <laughs> to be honest because I you know, could have just plugged it into the wall and it would have been heaps better and the problem is when you make marshmallow, you need a fair bit of power in those beaters. So my, my, you know, I was stoked. I got these beaters for my birthday, for 13th birthday, got these Breville beaters and then halfway through making marshmallows, ran out of batteries. And then I really, you know, the disappointment kicked in that maybe I should have asked why I'm with a cord. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, yeah, that's the sort of, I guess that's the sort of childhood that I had was I was really interested in that from an early age of just, you know, cooking anything, learning to cook anything I possibly could. Um, but I, you know, from a fairly reasonably early age, I was making, you know, family dinners at night. Mum and dad had come in from the farm and I'd, I'd made lasagna or whatever. Um, it's, I, I just, uh, you know, love to do, love doing it. In, in the early years when you sort of got your foot in the door, who, what were the really important venues and people that helped shape you at a young age? Wow. Um, Probably, you know, I mean, I, 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 as soon as I finished school, um, I moved to Brisbane basically and got an apprenticeship down there. And I was a, I was a little hippie kid, you know, I was like, you know, dreadies and, and I was a vegetarian. So I wrote a letter to the only vegetarian restaurant in Brisbane at the time, Squirrels in West End, and asked them, please, 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 going to have a job. And they gave me one. And so that was kind of my starting point, And that was, to me, that was a really good influence on me because, uh, and I eventually, you know, I kind of gave up on that. I went to my first block of college and realised that all these other kids knew how to cook meat and I didn't. Um, and I, you know, becoming a chef to me was more important than having any sort of morals. 
So uh, I gave up the vegetarian thing and and, uh, and started eating meat and moved to a meat restaurant. Um, but, you know, that, that first 18 months or so that I spent at Squirrels, at, you know, learning vegetarian stuff, and it was way ahead of its time. At the time, it was doing vegan stuff when, that, you know, and gluten-free stuff when that didn't really exist anywhere else. Um, but that was a really good starting point for me to to realize that you know that's the base that the probably the most important part of the the cooking process is understanding vegetables anyone can cook a steak really but um understanding how to combine and i, I was lucky enough in that 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 place that i was working with really good indian chefs and things like that and they taught me how to how to mix spices that was you know huge um understanding how all the different you know different spices and how much to use of each one when you're putting together a curry blend or something like that um has stayed with me forever that was really you know a really influential part of my my starting of my career as you sort of got into the belly of the beast of your career and started to um have some influence tell us about sort of some of the key venues that sort of really changed and allowed you to blossom as a chef yeah i guess probably the big one for me was when I came back from overseas and I started working at Ricky's, uh, Ricky Ricardo's in Noosa. Um, and I worked there just as a, you know, a chef for about 12 months. And then the head chef left and, um, and they said to me, Matt, do you want to be the head chef? And I went, okay, cool. I'll do that. And then I was there for about six years as the head chef. And that was just an amazing place. That was where that real love and that access to local producers came from where, we would have the duck guy would just come in the back door and drop the ducks off or the fish guy would, you know, had just caught the fish or whatever. And that was back in those days when, you know, when people, you know, when that sort of stuff happens. It happens so much now in, Mo- in Moosa though where we do have this great network of, of producers close by that will do the rounds with their tomatoes or their strawberries or whatever, you know, twice a week to all the restaurants. Um, but you know, that to me was the starting point and I had this amazing audience there that would just eat whatever I wanted to make. So I could, you know, buy anything and, and I got to experiment, I got to practice and, and learn so much there. Um, and it was, yeah, so that was probably that turning point for me where I was like, oh wow, you know, here I am in Noosa, people come here to eat, they want a food experience and, you know. I, I, get, I get to do that. That was really, really a special time of life. Tell us a bit about your cooking then. Is there any sort of dishes that you remember from that period of time that sort of exemplified where you were at? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think probably to me, um, I was reading a lot about, um, I've always loved Middle Eastern food and, and that's been a huge influence on me. So I was able to really... You know, because Ricky's was basically it was the brief was it's it's Mediterranean restaurant, but it's sort of Mediterranean rim. So you could do anything from you know Moroccan to Italian to Greek, Turkish, whatever. Um, it had you know there was no lemongrass. You know, um, so I was um, I just focused just on that, and but a big big part of what I cooked there was a lot of that um, real Turkish. Um, Lebanese, that sort of stuff, and and so all those flavors were, um, you know, I loved, I love all that sort of stuff. I, I spent a fair bit of time in Turkey when I was young, a young backpacker, and that was a huge, 
influence on the way I, I saw food, the way I, I looked at ingredients as the, you know, the hero um, and, you know, and saw what, you know, what an apricot was really supposed to be like, um, you know, or a tomato or a white mulberry or that sort of stuff where you just like, you eat them and you're just like, they don't need anything else. This is just perf- perfection. So, um, you know, yeah, I guess that was, that was a big part of it was like me honing those skills, learning as much as I possibly could. I just read like crazy. I had an office just full of books and I'd just read and read and read and practice and learn as much as I could. So, um, yeah, I think no one particular dish comes to mind at the moment. That's a long time ago. I can't even remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> a long time ago, back when um, before there was chefs everywhere on television, you were part of um, Ready, Steady, Cook with the likes of Jared Ingersoll and Alistair McLeod. And h- how did that gig come about? Yeah, it was a completely random situation where, you know, Channel 10 had bought this show from overseas, um, the rights to make this show. And they were just ringing cold calling chefs all over the country um and it just so and they wanted to have a show where they had chefs from sydney and melbourne and brisbane so that you know that people could identify with them i suppose if they lived in brisbane they're oh that's our brisbane chef and they went somebody on on the original crew um said oh we should get someone from noosa that noosa is a real foodie place you know and so they rang someone in the media and, and said, well, who should we con- contact? And they went, oh, I think Matt would be good. And so they just randomly called me and said, we're making this show. You get five ingredients. You've got 20 minutes to do four dishes. You know, do you want to do it? <laughs> do you want to come for the audition? And originally I said, no, I don't want to do that. Thanks. That sounds pretty scary. Um, and then I got, I got con- con- conned into doing the, um, the audition in Brisbane. And, um, and they basically, you know, they – they did exactly that. They said, oh, we were in the, the Black Pearl Epicure kitchen in Brisbane in the valley and in their sort of demo kitchen. And they basically brought a, a producer, a camera person and five ingredients and said, here you go, you've got 20 minutes to make four dishes, go. And they talked to you the whole time just to see if you could cook and talk at the same time. And um, and then that was the, pro- the audition process. And then a week later, they rang me and said, yep, you're in, you're one of the the 12 and I was like oh shit I've actually got to do this now um and it was it was scary for the first few times of doing the show but once we got used to it we, we were all we were all new at it none of us were you know um savvy at that really um so it was you know we we're all in the same boat scared and and you know nervous and but we we all became such close friends through that as well you know we we're all still close um, and we love seeing each other still. So we created a real family um, during those years. It was pretty special. Did you have any stories of, you know, one of the episodes that you recorded that you remember? Oh, do, yeah, I do. I remember being up against Manu, and Manu, if you were up against Manu, then you were going to lose, right, we, generally, 90% of the time. All you had to do was did pull on, bang on that French accent and all the girls in the audience would swoon. Um and so, and you know, but winning the show was not really that important. But you know, when you got absolutely annihilated with you know ninety nine percent of them were tomatoes and you were a capsicum, it hurt a little bit. Um, and so, you know, I was I was up against Manu this time, and I sort of thought, oh god, here we go. And my my um, contestant came out of the audience, and Manu always got kind of 
duck and things like that, French stuff, you know. They always sort of seem to look after him with the French type stuff. And then I, um, <laughs> my, my contestant came down and they were a vegan. So I had tofu and pumpkin. I thought, oh, that's it. I'm going to lose this. I'm not even going to try. So I came up with sort of four dishes that, you know, I roughly knew how I was, was going to actually achieve them. And then just before we started, they said, okay, it, you know, there's a twist to this show. They'd come up with twists every now and then, of, you know, they'd move, change things around, take away your main ingredient or whatever. And um, they said, oh, there's a twist to this show. You guys are going to swap sides and cook each other's food. And so Manu had to come over and cook tofu and pumpkin. And, uh, and I don't. I think he still hasn't forgiven me. Uh, <laughs> a little, a little earlier, you mentioned, um, you know, the unfathomable um, tragedy that happened twelve years ago. Um, take us back to that time and um, tell us a bit about what happened. Yeah. Look. Um, yeah. I mean, I was. I was running my own catering business in Noosa, um, it was 2011, um, the end of that. And, uh, yeah, it was Christmas day and, uh, we'd all gone to bed and, uh, I woke up, you know, two months later in hospital after being in an induced coma, um, to find that my, you know, all my family was gone and my house and everything I owned and, and, um, you know, and then I spent another two months in hospital, you know, getting skin grafts and that sort of thing um, from burns. So, you know, and then another 12 months after that in rehab. Um, and so, you know, it was that was a really, you know, um, it is unfathomable. It, I still think about it now and just go, I'm not sure how I how I managed to get through it. I mean, I uh, I put a lot of it, the, the fact that I'm still here down to, the amount of amazing friends and people all over the country who helped me, um, you know, want to stay alive. Um, and, and a huge amount of that was hospitality people, you know, that there's, there's so many stories of, um, you know, anyone who I'd ever had contact with in the hospitality industry seemed to get together and have some sort of fundraiser for me. And it was, you know, it wasn't, wasn't just, you know, the chefs, it was producers and suppliers and everyone was just throwing in and, and, you know, wanting to get behind me and to have that was pretty special um, to, you know, to know that I was I was loved and I was cared about and people wanted me to get through this. Um, you know, that was the, the really moment that I went, oh, well, I better, I better not let them down. I better get on with this and, and get through it. Um, and, yeah, it really was. It was amazing I still I'm so proud to be in an industry that where when somebody needs you that everyone gathers around and, and looks after you you know it's that's that was amazing to think where you are now and so influential with back cooking again well take us through that little journey of the last sort of decade or so when when did you sort of get back in the kitchen and feel comfortable and um, sort of find yourself again in that sense? Yeah, I don't really know. It, it really has been pretty organic the way that it, that life has gone over the, the last ten years, where it's where it's just sort of flowed from one thing to the next. And some things are, I kind of did it this sort of blanket saying yes to everything, and now I've, I've pulled that back a little bit. But uh, by throwing myself into all sorts of different opportunities, I guess I've learned a lot. Um, 
but yeah I think I mean I, I sort of was asked to do things like be the food ambassador for the Gympie region and that gave me an opportunity to I did that for about five or six years and that was really just me going out and and supporting and and um, promoting all the producers of that region and now most of them are good friends of mine I just had a couple you know from out at Waluga around for lunch on Sunday uh, for a barbecue and they're the people that grow my you know okra and rosellas and um, gooseberries and tomatillos and things like that and so those you know there's so many of those people who have become not much much more than suppliers or producers they're they're friends of mine um and so yeah it's i'm i'm pretty lucky to have had all those different experiences that have sort of brought me to this point now um you know that that i here i am on my place on my farm with you know with all this food around me and uh and i can you know i can pick and choose what i want to do what makes me happy um and have a bit more lifestyle as well i did i don't want to throw myself into you know 80 hour a week job and miss my kids childhoods um i'd rather be a dad than be you know um than be cooking all the time um so yeah it's 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 good how it has come around to, to this point, I suppose. Every human experiences adversity at some stage in their life, not necessarily as extreme as what you experienced. But what sort of advice do you have for people to sort of pull through adversity and um, sort of carve a new path and move forward? Yeah, I, I, well, I think about this a lot. I'm pretty philosophical about all this sort of stuff. I, and and I, I think probably... Um, you know, I mean, it kind of all situations are completely different, I suppose. But it's I I, I like to try and sort of um, keep things in perspective. You know, if if things aren't going right for you, um, and I, I I do this every you know to myself, um, having a whinge about you know the internet work not working properly or whatever, and I, then I think about you know, well, I could be living in Syria or Gaza or you know. So I put, keep things in perspective. You, you, you can drive yourself crazy by, um, you know, thinking how bad your life is, but often it's not as bad as you you work it up to in your head. Um, you know, I, um, yeah, I like to try, I've always been a pretty positive person, so I like to try and keep the, you know, the being optimistic about things rather than pessimistic sort of thing, so... You mentioned that uh, you thought that the the phones were a bit quiet at the beginning of the year, but now they're they're ringing all the time. Um, wh- what what do you see yourself sort of doing? I know you settled on the farm, but the next sort of couple of years, what would you like to sink your teeth into? Well, it's it's funny because um, in June this year, I was, I was kind of at a bit of a loose end, and I thought, um, I know what I'll do. I'll become a chef cliche and buy myself a food van. And so that's uh, that's what I've done. I bought myself a food van. I've just got it the other day. I'm waiting on <laughs> I'm waiting on uh, council approval now. But that that's another little thing that I've you know I'm I've already got a pretty full calendar. But for the spaces that I've got in the year, I thought it'd be really good to be able to just go. Okay, I've got loads of whatever on here. I'm going to come up with one dish. I'm going to do 300 or 400 serves of it. And I'm going to go and do a local the local market or whatever it is, and just make it that this is a one-off this is a one-off dish i'm doing for today um who wants one 
uh, you know, I've got heaps of avocados or I've got loads of mangoes or I've got whatever and just do that and make it a special thing where, you know, um, 12 times a year maybe it might be that I take the van out and just go, here's a dish that uses all the different producers from the region. It might be eight different people involved in one dish and just tell that story, you know, and I don't have to worry about having staff or a premises or anything like that. It's just a van that I tow to wherever I'm going. So it's kind of cool. It's, it's, you know, I've yet to make it work. It might be a complete failure, but I'm, you know, going to give it a crack anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the things. Um, you know, there's there's always opportunities out there. And I love, I love doing the, you know, the kind of the event circuit, I suppose it is, where... Um, you know, we've got Noosa Eat Drink Festival here. We've got the Curated Plate, which is the Sunshine Coast Food Festival. I'm involved in both of those. I'm doing the Moreton Bay Food Festival this year. Um, I drive to St. Lawrence every year and do the wetlands weekend up there between Rockhampton and Mackay. So there's all those sorts of things where everywhere that I go, you know, all these different regional areas, whether it's Longreach or Blackall or wherever, um, I've got, you know, almost feels like I've got families there that I go and visit every year because I know all these people and I can walk down the street and everyone goes, hey, Matt, how are you going, you know? it's um, And so I'd kind of almost be sad to give that up. Um, often it's, you know, I'm away and that's not great and it can be a bit taxing, you know, physically and, and mentally to do them. But I, I enjoy that social side of, um, you know, going to all these different places and I love visiting country towns, um, and, you know, and the sort of people that live there. So, you know, I hope that that stays being a part of my life. I do expect that eventually I'll probably just get too old for it and somebody will come and knock me off my perch and, and they won't want me anymore. You never know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess they, I'm, I'm someone that those people know is going to go there and do the job that they need to get done and not be a knob and not get really drunk or try to root everything in sight. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's, I've got that on my side. <laughs> well, um, it's absolutely amazing to catch up with you, Matt. You've had an incredible career. What do you love about what you do? Um, I guess it, well, I guess there's the, um, uh, the creative side of it where and that's you know what's kept me excited about it and why you know 32 years later I still love doing it is that I get to be I, I, I'm always amazed that there's always something to learn and that I you know there's I'm always I'm always able to come up with something and it's usually based around coming finding a new ingredient you know that I haven't used before that I love that the, it's a never-ending journey of learning and, and creativity um, but I love the fact that I get to make people happy as well. That's sort of what started me with it when I was a little kid was like being able to make food for adults and they heaping praise on me for being clever. Um, you know, and, and I still love, you know, I still love that I can cook for people and, you know, and be, and stay in their memory, you know, sometimes forever. People will say to me 20 years later, oh, you remember that, you know, she cooked back in blah blah blah. I'm like, no, I don't. But I'm glad you do. That's <laughs> nice. That that's what I'm remembered for. If there's a legacy, that's what I'd like it to be. You know, that Matt cooked me that food that time. Um, and so, you know, that's well, I guess that's something that's wonderful and unique about being a chef. That's um, you know, you can actually plant yourself in someone's memory with a dish. 
um, and stay there forever and hopefully be remembered fondly unless it was really bad and they hate your guts for it. Well, Matt, you're an absolute inspiration and can't wait to see you in that food truck um, driving around Queensland. <laughs> um, please keep in touch and we'll have to catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks, Huck. Nice to talk to you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>